welcome to another episode of Elbows Tie Podcast. This is your host, Travis and John. <laughs> Travis, how was it? John, that was great, man. What a, what a great conversation. Uh, it, it definitely has a lot of good information that I, I, I really enjoyed. What was his name? Why you got to do that? Come Look. on. <laughs> Travis, I was on a hard time with the last name. I'll butcher it for him. It's uh, Sean Winiski. Sean, I mean, it sounds good to me. Yeah, we have Sean Winiski from Tallahassee Jiu-Jitsu down in Tallahassee, Florida. He's a first-degree black belt. Um, like I said, it's this conversation is great. We had a good time. The hour flew by. Um, a main, The main topic that is kind of like over this whole conversation is how privileged people are now in jujitsu and how it's so much easier to what, like gain knowledge learn techniques, uh, freaking have a black belt teach you. Right. Mm -hmm. Like what are some yep, other sure. stuff that we yeah. talked about, John? Uh, we talk a lot about that. He talks a, a little bit about competition. I think some people are good to get some things out of, um, maybe some etiquette around rolling in your gym with bigger people. Oh, yep, yep, I forgot about that. Yep. Uh, a, a lot of good nuggets in there. You know, this is one of them that I'm going to go back and listen to just for myself. I think it'll help me out as well. Yeah, it's, it's a whole lot of fun. Shane's super down to earth, real easy to talk to. And he, he's one of those people that, you know, you could tell that he just wants to put out as much good information for the community as possible. And he wants to make sure that, you know, the, it, the martial arts stays legit. You know what I mean? He, he even said that after we got done talking, he was like, you know, I just, I want to make sure that, you know, we keep it pure and we don't let all these, you know, like what karate and taekwondo happen to them come yeah, in and, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. start taking over this martial arts. So, but it's a great conversation. His social media is going to be down in the description below. If you guys want to go follow him and check out his stuff. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. John, you got anything else? Nope. Give it a listen. Yeah. Let us know what you guys think. And shoot us a DM, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, all that, TikTok, YouTube. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you guys later. Peace. Peace. Oh, look, you did it with me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Three, two, one. Happy New Year from our friends over at Manscaped. The ball has officially dropped, but that doesn't mean you have to drop the ball on your balls in 2023. Whether you had a New Year's kiss or not, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming have you covered for your much-needed resolution of bringing sexy back. Join the 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use the code ETP20 for 20% off plus free shipping. Let us have a toast for a new year, new you, and a new you without the pubes. A grooming routine isn't complete without applying the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver before showing up yourself in 2023. These unique formulations take care of the smelliest parts of your body and are the biggest boost to your confidence in the new year. Been using Manscaped, Crop Preserver, and Ball Deodorant for the last year, just about every class I go to jiu-jitsu. It's phenomenal, absolutely love it, couldn't recommend it enough. If you really want to make 2023 the year to remember, make sure you try out Manscaped's wet goods as well. This includes their ultra premium body wash, two-in-one shampoo, and body deodorant. I love that stuff. Like, I can't get enough of it. I really like the body wash. I love the shampoo. It smells great. And Cheers, cheers to, to new balls, balls in 2023. Get 20% off and free shipping with code ETP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com using code ETP20. Time to feel sexy and free in 2023 with Manscaped. Shane, how's it going, man? How's your how's your day going down in beautiful sunny? Is is it sunny there in, sunny. in, in Florida right very now? Very sunny, very nice. Yeah, Philly, but I can't complain compared to uh, Washington State. I'm sure. 
Oh man, yeah, we were just talking about before we press record and how how it's been raining the last couple of days. It's been horrible. It's like my front yard gets flooded, and and uh, I, I mean, du- we have ducks swimming around in the front yard right now. Yeah. That's how much rain That's we have. Awesome. Yeah, too bad we can't kill them because duck <laughs> is delicious. Now, I, honestly, I, I don't know if I would want to eat domesticated duck in like my mm. front yard. No. We have we have a bunch of uh. Uh, deer that walk around our property too and they'll they'll just come in the front yard hang out you can like almost go up and pet Mm -hmm. them um but someone was it you that kind of like you don't want to eat those because they you know they get in trash and they're not eating their natural natural stuff so they're probably not going to taste as good (laughs) so but uh so let's go ahead and uh, jump into the conversation shane so uh, we, re- we we contacted each other on Instagram and wanted to have a, a good old conversation. But let, let's go into your, your background on who you are and how you got into jiu-jitsu and everything. All right. Um, I started training martial arts in 1991. It was, wasn't oh, wow. jiu-jitsu. It was karate. And just kept training karate until I think about early 2000-something. And um, one of my karate instructors actually told me to get in his guard, which is like, just get between my legs. And it's like, man, what? <laughs> but um after he did what he wanted with me and submitted me and swept me i was like i was instantly hooked so kept doing <laughs> jujitsu since then so so what got you into martial arts then oh i think probably movies i remember seeing the ninja turtles and that that kind of era of seeing martial arts on a on on a film so you said 91 is when you started how 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 was karate back then in 91? Was it still like how people could talk about like watered down it is nowadays or like what, how different was it back then? I would then? say it's a lot different than now is more commercial. It, the mm. place that I remember was really tough and you'd spar like the first week and the instructors were always like more like drill sergeants than nice people with smiles, which is kind of a benefit to that really because now you see instructors with the big belly and it's like they're telling people to do stuff, but they can't really do it as much as, you know, even the students. So yeah, it was a tough school, but mm, it didn't last that long. I think I was there for maybe two years. And then they closed shop. I, I called ta- Taekwondo, take your dough. Because <laughs> the, the instructor took the money and then left town was the story that I heard. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting because we hear it so many times people starting off and you know, these traditional martial arts of like Taekwondo karate and things like that. And they, they don't know any better. Like, you know, I literally just watched the thing on Joe Rogan before he started jujitsu. He talked about how, you know, he's like, Oh, I don't need to worry about the ground. I'll just, I'll just evade all their stuff and, and kick their ass before they're able to get me to the ground. He said, you know, within the first five minutes, he was just getting, getting mauled. And, you know, it was a big eye opener. When you when you trained, you know those years in the karate and taekwondo and stuff like that. Like, how how has your mindset changed since then? I mean, they already now with all the data out, everyone knows if you can't fight on the ground, you can't really fight. So, right, uh, that's just a part of fighting. And I mean, sure, if you have good enough stand up and take down the fence, you won't even have to deal with that. But. Um, <laughs> A lot of people don't. A lot of people that do jujitsu don't wrestle um, or do judo. So even that is like, how are they going to get the person to the ground? Sometimes can be an issue. And I mean, wrestling is an old martial art, and you see a lot of Americans, and I mean, everywhere all over the world, wrestling is very dominant. Um, 
and it helps jujitsu. So I encourage all my students to always have wrestling, uh, which I wouldn't have known back then when I was a kid. I, otherwise, I would have rather been in wrestling than Taekwondo. Yeah, it's interesting now, too, because the whole dynamic of jujitsu is starting to lean a little bit more towards wrestling, too. It's mm -hmm. starting to change, you know, uh, like ADCC rule yeah. set is people think it's a jujitsu competition, but it's actually a submission wrestling right. Uh, co competition, right? So there's more of the wrestling aspect to that. And we're starting to see, you know, people now just really starting to hone in, like doing wrestling specific training mm -hmm. and, you know, trying to, trying to build that grit that does come from wrestling. You know, really? like I, I wrestled a little bit in high school and it was, it was a completely different mindset. The second you walked through those doors and got on the mat, Absolutely. it was, you're going a hundred percent. You're, you're, there is no breaks. It's like practice, 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 you know? Do you, do you think that's something that's kind of missing in our jiu-jitsu community right now? Like you said, it's picking up more, uh, especially after the last ADCC. Like I, I see a lot of schools that I know is like they're switching more programs to no-gi. I started off with no-gi, so hmm. it wasn't really – I'm surprised it took this long. I don't know. Um, catch wrestling and all that's the same stuff to me. Um any grappling martial art is going to help the other grappling martial art that you do. You know what I mean? So one of my old coaches, Richard Crunkleton, was in the UFC. He always was, to me, just like the most well-rounded grappler. And I saw that. I was like, man, that's crazy. He's a wrestler, two-time NCWA wrestler, and then a judo black belt. So I'm expecting mm. him to say, oh, you need to work only on your wrestling. No, he told me, you need to work on your back and play guard. I was like, man, this is wild. Um, but a very well-rounded grappler. So that's always what I try to tell the students too. It's like, man, it's a supplement for your jujitsu or whatever, whatever you're training, grappling, martial art, wrestling, judo, jujitsu, sambo, any of these things will help you catch wrestling. It all helps the other one. So. Yeah. And I think like you mentioned, like with, with the, the internet being so popular now, people are starting to see, you know, these, these become more prominent and kind of like um you know people people say you should work on wrestling but then you know there's also people out there that are making uh techniques for like jujitsu wrestling you know what i mean because wrestling doesn't perfectly translate over into into um jujitsu right because in wrestling you'd never want to be on your back right you you'll, you'll belly down and and just starfish out there to make sure that they can't but in jujitsu that's not that's not perfect you know what i mean so it's cool to see how people are starting to kind of infuse it into how it can benefit for jujitsu too. I think I think with the internet, it does a lot of good and bad for for jujitsu because it allows us to spread information better and like show new things. But then it also allows us to spread information and show new things, right? I'm sure, like you mentioned, you've been doing you've been doing martial arts since '91. How how has um, jujitsu like when you started jujitsu? What was it like versus now? Well, that's funny. A bunch of people meet in a room and you get the best position you can and squeeze as hard as you can. It's like, man, it's terrible jujitsu back then. <laughs> it took me 17 years to get my black belt. So I, I, my opinion is it's like, like, again, the resources back then, um, we didn't have YouTube as much. It was more of like instructionals on the black belt magazine and you would order them for however much money. And uh, Caesar Gracie was one of my first instructionals, the old instructional, and then uh, a few books back then. Not no no black belts were around really teaching techniques. So um, now there's black belts everywhere. There's black belts 
on Instagram and uh, YouTube. And if you want to look up any technique, you can go on YouTube and click it, and it will go right to a nice instructional for you. So we didn't have anything like that. It was more gritty, I would say, and just try our best we could do irresponsibly. But uh, <laughs> was that more like uh, in people's garage, or was it like an actual school? We had or? that. We had the garage, but we had there was a kung fu school which was successful for a while, I guess. But then we would borrow the space when they weren't there and do, you know, the fight club, MMA style grappling and mm -hmm. um, a lot of hard headed people in there. Uh, and it just kind of started. MMA was the first thing I did before I even did jujitsu. So it's kind of like I did everything backwards. Uh, I learned how to fight after I had already fought. So it was a lot right. back then. Florida, yeah, so, amateur back then, so it's like either you're gonna go to another state and fight amateur, or you're gonna sign the pro contract in Florida and just go ahead and jump in there. And uh, and best of luck, just like enjoy. So you mentioned it's kind of the 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 mindset has changed. You know, it definitely was more gritty back then to to now, where you know people are kind of training more for longevity. Yeah. What was what was when do you think the my, the switch was for jujitsu to n not be you know like Carlson Gracie was always talked about as like they were the rough the rough training you know they were real hard on each other and whatnot when do you think that mindset kind of switched? I think when I mean it's still out there. There's a lot of schools yeah. that are I mean like that. See, I still like to because we come from a Carlson Gracie background style, so mm. that's fine. I like that, but you have to be educated before you uh go that hard so it's like a fast car driver like a nascar driver they don't just drive a car the first time going 200 miles an hour you learn to operate a normal car and then we can push the gas a little more and go harder and then the quality of training partners in the room quality mm. of training so if you have a room bunch of knuckleheads and they don't know what they're doing you're just training training this way it's like the, you're not really learning anything uh, beneficial you might get tough but you're not going to get really good you know yeah so how, how do you incorporate training for your new people when they come to your academy uh, i typically say train two two weeks of all the technical classes and then can start sparring after that which is some some schools they say six months to a year i think that's ridiculous yeah um because jujitsu is very hands-on and you have to feel that resistance and we used to let the people, like some people would invite their friends on the weekend only. It's like, hey, come train my school on the weekends. You know, first class is free. It's like, that's a sparring day. These people would never come back. <laughs> so I've learned this on the business side. It's like, look, probably tell the beginners, oh, you've never grappled before. Probably start Monday through Thursday for a week or two. Feel comfortable and then come into the sparring classes. So do you spar after every class or is it just the Friday through Sunday that you do it? Friday, Saturday, Sunday is like more of just open sparring. So you can start standing, you can start in positions, whatever. Uh, Monday through Thursday, I'll have the set of curriculum. So let's say we were playing like single X guard or something or a full guard or at the end of the, at the end of the class, I'll have you do a situational sparring. So now you learn the technique that you drilled. You feel like you learned it. Let's see how good you learned it give them a little more resistance. So it's more situational sparring. I feel it's like safe compared to a non-wrestler starting on their feet wrestling. So that's a lot of uh, uh, liability there. 
people want to learn wrestling, but they never wrestled before and they're 30 plus years old, probably going to get hurt. Preach. Because I like the situational sparring. We've been doing a lot of that lately. Very underrated still. Mm -hmm. And the best world today all the time. It's like, oh, they start in these bad positions. You might want to listen to this. You know, I I think it's a very good uh, way to train. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Very important. To designate your training partner is very important. Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, we tell people all the time, you know, you, you're worried about these, like, learning these techniques, especially nowadays, like we mentioned earlier, with, you know, the abundance of information. But really, you should be learning how to apply the techniques in situations. You know what I mean? Whether it's situational sparring like hey someone's you know you there you have them in three-quarter guard now you need to wrestle up or get back to full guard or something like that like you're in these less advantageous positions that you you should work from because you're more likely to be able to apply the technique then because you're not starting with hey they're they're in your open they're let's start an open guard pass or submit it's like okay well there's a lot that could go there and i'm not going to remember exactly the technique you just taught me You know, so putting putting people in more situational positions of like, hey, now this person has, you know, he's shoulder smashing you from side side control. Now you need to be able to shrimp out frame, get that leg in and, and kind of work from there. Do you did you originally start doing that or how, how has your coaching changed over the years? Oh, wow, man. My coaching's changed and leveled up more than I would say, like anything else like coaching you learn so much in coaching like just today i watched some sparring is like now i have the curriculum for next week because i saw a lot of little things that people were working mm. on and it's um so even in the just technical days you'll feel like you sparred because you'll drill the technique a certain way slow at first and then i want a medium pace okay now i need y'all to go faster you only have a two minute round i need you to hit as many of these reps as you can so now when they do spar, it's automatic. Um, I learned how to train my muscle memory over time. Something like this, like muscle memory, where it's like I don't have to think about it as much. And I try to put that into the drills. And it's like, okay, you can't think in these two minutes. You have to do it. But it's confidently because they've already done it slow and medium. I've already seen them do it perfect. I've already had to correct this and that. And they already understand. Now you let them push the gas a little more. And that gives them confidence that you typically come in and spar. Yeah. And you want it yeah. in sparring is what you really want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we talk about that too, is like, you got to have someone that you're able to hit these moves on in, in sparring. Also your training partner, you can't always train with the, the higher belts because you're never going to hit that. Well, if you do hit it, it's probably because they let you, but you know what I mean? Like you have to, you have to have those equal or lesser skilled training partners in order to practice these techniques yeah. too. You know what I mean? And, and I think that's also another underrated thing is is having a, a mindset of I, I need to train with someone that I'm able to do these moves on and or even kind of like alluding to it beforehand. Like, hey, I really want to practice the technique today. Uh, could you not smash me for for one round? So I, I have a brown belt and he's a big, strong guy. Very good. Very technical. Like he will use all his athleticism to not let you do nothing like anything. And I had to tell him today, I was like, hey, you know that guy you're sparring with has been training like five months, man. Like, you, you train <laughs> technique. And he's like, oh, I'm doing technique. It's like, you're not letting this guy breathe. You're not even letting them. And then later rounds, I could hear him coaching the guy a little bit. I was like, all right, there, that's what I want. Like, help the guy a little bit. Like, sometimes, you know, it depends. But 
the situation. It can be a lot of different scenarios. But if the guy is a good training partner and he could be your best training partner in a few months to a year, man, help the guy a little bit. That's what the instructor does. The instructor, if they're good, is teaching you how to beat them. So uh, when I see someone just completely smash it over and over and over, it's like, man, you could probably let them get anywhere you want and then still not do nothing. So just maybe train... Yeah, yeah. Different kind of mindsets on training for sure. Yeah, generally those partners, they'll find themselves having a hard time getting partners after a while. <laughs> everybody will be like, nope. Yeah, man. You hurt everybody in the school. Nobody wants to train with you. You break your toys. You can't play is what I tell all the... Oh, yeah. There you go. That's a good one. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's true because, you know, it's like um, even when you are a newer white belt, and then like a, a brand new person shows up, you know, it's really hard and I'm, I'm guilty of it too. It's really hard not to like assert dominance on that new person mm -hmm. because you know, you're like, you're like, look, man, this is what's going to happen. What, give it a couple months and watch, watch how I smash you. And then, you know, it could really have an adverse effect on people. I just, uh, so I don't trust anybody, especially a brand new person. Like they say, oh, white belt, they could be a wrestler, a judo mm -hmm. player. They could be a crazy person. So I don't trust them and I take, you know, I uh, protect myself because it's a martial art. I'm learning, you know, I want to protect myself. Um, but I don't have to prove a point is, is the thing. It's not a competition. It's just not a competition. Even a self-defense, I'm not competing with this person. I'd probably just neutralize and it depends on the, how dangerous that person is. Um, put them to sleep or, or, you know, handle that a certain way. But in the school where everybody's laughing during the warm-up and now I'm going to kill the brand new white belt. That's, <laughs> I don't know. I, I will catch and release a lot, especially with a bigger guy. Because if every time I catch in a submission with a bigger guy and now we reset, now that bigger guy wants to come really hard at me. So mm -hmm. what I would like to do is uh, I will just dominate the position, cor correct some things that I'm working on probably and move from position, submission and, and, and so forth. Like, train the game and keep him from getting crazy on me. John, John has a secret technique called I'm old. Yeah. I'll normally start it that way. I'm like, Hey, take it easy, man. I'm older, dude. Then we start that only lasts for like a minute yeah. or two. <laughs> I heard, <laughs> They're like, yeah, okay. Asshole. Yeah, all my elbows hurt. Don't go on this elbow. And then, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so when it comes to your, your new practitioners, is there any techniques that you don't want them to learn right away? Or are you kind of, if it's in a controlled environment, it's okay. Uh, everything, man, for sure. Uh, yeah. I like to show if I find something real new, I'll tell them, I'm like, look, I'm not good at this, but this is very important. It looks like, and it's good to learn the safety for safety version of it. Anyways, I know a lot of instructors are against the leg locks, but that was some of the first things I ever learned was leg locks. So, yeah, we we've heard it before. Like, don't teach white belts wrist locks or heel oh. hooks or really. You love yeah, wrist it's locks, a game changer, right there, man. I love they them are too. So good. If they yeah, cannot submit with an arm lock, triangle, omoplata, just go to the wrist. That's right. You know, and it was, it's so funny that people think these are dirty moves. It's like, it, it's joint manipulation, you know? <laughs> I just use it, honestly, because it, it helps me slow down the bigger, uh -huh. younger, stronger athlete that's going 100 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah, Anything that's like that works good. I like it. Yeah, and it makes them think you're like, you're like oh, they're not going to armbar me. I'm nice and strong. Well, your wrist is yeah. not. So, <laughs> self-defense. If you fight a guy bigger than you on the street and you try to 
triangle choke him or arm lock him, man, that could be really hard. But uh, uh, an ankle lock, foot lock, or a wrist lock is very nice. Yeah, we started incorporating them. Uh, I don't know, probably probably pretty close. Once we got our blue belts, I'm pretty sure that's what we immediately. focused. Yeah, it was like immediately. Like, oh, by the way, blue belts can wrist lock. And I was like, oh, you guys are going down. <laughs> they changed the rules so many. That's one thing that confuses me as a coach. It's like they, confu- they change stuff yearly or every few years. When I was a purple belt, they DQ'd me twice for like a knee bar. And I'm like, what do hmm. you mean? Like it's. They're like, no below the waist. It's like, man, I'm a purple belt, though. They're like, yep, against the rules, DQ. And then the year later, I think, I get my brown belt. They're like, no, nah, blue belts and up can do all the straight ankles and straight knee bars. <laughs> man, what about that DQ, though? They're, oh, back then it was illegal. And then when I was white belt in Naga, they would allow everything. Heel hooks in the gi, white belt. They don't oh, wow. care. It was pretty wild back then. <laughs> So how, how do you train your, your students now when they come up to you and say, hey, I, I want to compete my competitions eight weeks out? Uh, how, do you, how do you approach that? Mm, they better already be consistent when they ask me, typically. Or I just kind of will say, well, we'll see if you're ready, you know. But, and, I mean, it's free country. You can sign up for the tournament. But uh, I just want them to be confident in their uh, plan, their, their game plan. And even a fallback, like, okay, so you're you're terrible on your back. We're going to train guard and escapes and getting your guard continuously until you feel confident on your back. Maybe they never even play on their back in a, in a tournament. So I like to get their confidence up, build their, their weakest game as confident as I can, and kind of go from there. I mean, conditioning is always going to be king, so I try to get them in shape as best I can. Do you do any like mental training with them? Oh, sure. Yes. You have visualization is huge. I've had great coaches that have taught me about this. Um, seeing yourself on the podium, um, the day you want to skip the workout, think about that's the day you're going to compete. Oh, wait, I was going to take the day off. It's like, no, I got to be at the tournament in 30 minutes. That's actually at the school. You know, it's like, oh, crap. So it, mm. motivation only lasts a little while. So you have to seems like when people want to cut or have to cut weight or they have to do a tournament, somehow they get really hungry and get really lazy. So it's like, no, if you signed up for a tournament, now you have to bite the bullet and do exactly what you need to do to do the best you can. Yeah, Yeah, there's no hiding from that if you signed up for it. So you better be ready. Everyone's watching. Mm -hmm. I encourage people to go to the tournament first before they compete because they will have less nerves but they'll feel oh wow so if i was competing today this is how i'd probably feel so usually they go to the next turn when they go compete they're already familiar with everything the weigh-ins the mats people yelling at each other and you know so some people freeze up when that happens that's exactly what i did and i thought that was great i went and watched my friends first to see Mm -hmm. what it would be like and what it was like for them and then i did it and i thought that was a good idea Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm yeah, I, I I haven't competed yet. We, I think I, we talk about this just about every episode. But, uh, you know, a seasoned blue belt here, so I'm, I'm about to quit. But it's like... <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, no, and I haven't competed yet. And uh, it's I, I definitely think 2023 is going to be the year I do do it. Uh, I, I I hear, you know, you should compete at least once at every every belt. Like, what what is your mindset when it comes to competing? To see if you like it at all. 
because mm. that one time will be an icebreaker, but it's also just a, sorry, my son's talking. To oh, you're um, good. It's just an eye opener. And I mean, it's not your teammate. Sometimes they do compete against each other, but it's not your teammate. So it's a different, there's things that train from competing that you can't get anywhere else. I know yeah. people that are scared to compete, but they're so good in the gym. And it's like, that's a weak, that's a weak link, man. Like, that's a mental weak link. It's like, you're so good in the gym with your teammates, man. Why don't you try? Like, just try. It's like, man, I can't, I, 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 I can't, I'm scared. Wow. Okay. I've been scared my entire time. Um, I'm going to walk around at 145 and I own a school. Think about these years of all these pe big people come in here, try to prove a point. It's like, that's can be more scary than competing. Mm, you true. compete, you go to your division. Um, I don't know. I don't, yeah. Competing one time, huge for sure. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's a good thing for people to do. And, you know, you, you sp talk about fear and it, it kind of leans to that thing of people are even scared just to walk in the door. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like, well, look at, look, if you were even scared to walk in the door and now you're here and the conversation of competing is, is on the table. Mm -hmm. So just imagine if you would have never walked in the door, you would have never even had this conversation. So I think that could be like a good, a good mental builder for them too. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like it's, it, th things are scary. Every going to class can be scary because you're like, Man, what is going to happen today? <laughs> I remember these days. You, you're on the interstate, go to the school, and you realize, like, I already know who's going to be there for me. It's like, God, man, it's going to be a rough day. But do it anyways, and you feel amazing afterwards. And there would be no reason to have courage if you, man, everyone's scared of something, you know. So these are great. Um, that's a competition right there to yourself. You overcome something like that, it's amazing. I see it with kids, man, and that's what motivates me as an adult to do, like, the best I can. Because when you see little kids, like, uh, for one story, I had this girl. She lost her first two matches, barely. But she's, like, shaking and crying. The mom says, hey, you need to talk to her. I don't think she's able to compete. I went over. I said, hey, you don't have to do it. You're fine. She stopped crying immediately. She says, I'll do it. And then she went and whooped the neck. <laughs> but I've never been so motivated in my life, man. That that lit a fire under me. I was like, I got to compete next week, and I got to compete soon because this, this is a champion. This girl's like, I don't know, 11, 12 years old, champion, champion. She'll be a champion in something. If, even if she quits jiu-jitsu tomorrow, she'll be a champion in something because she overcomes something like that. And I see adults that they were they would have been done, you know? You just said you don't got to compete. You're like, all right, cool. Can you give me a ride yeah. home? <laughs> yeah. so but uh so when it comes to like coaching adults and kids do you have a different way of thinking when it obviously you have to have a different way of, of teaching but do you do you feel that there there is skilled build in coaching kids and that translate over into coaching adults what's uh, so on that same thing is it, i see less fear in the kids so much fear in the adults and i i thought about this for a long time and on, on, honestly it's as simple as optimism like kids have real optimism um and that's a superpower like i see older guys that have it too and that's why they stay younger like i'm 38 but i'm very pretty still kind of <laughs> uh but it's because optimism like these kids don't see they're not scared of anything, you know. I, I I remember seeing kids that were scared of their shadows, but they'd jump on the mat to compete and have so much fun. 
when adults are not scared of anything, they walk around tough, they sign up for a division and they're almost can't hold their bladder because they got to go to the bathroom so many times. They, they don't know what's going on. They're, they look so panicked and rushed. So it's, I think it's the mindset of the innocence too. It's like, they don't, they just don't fear nothing. So yeah, the adults probably building it up in their mind into something that it's not. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's now you've got it, this huge thing in your head and you just can't yeah. overcome it. Uh -huh. I've seen it on both sides. I've seen the adults that you would never expect to compete, go win double gold. And then mm. the adults, you think, man, this guy's an athlete. He's just going to wreck, wreck house and he gets smoked. And, you know, I've seen it. I've seen it on both sides. So what is what is the culture of of your your academy? Like, do you have more of a casual, um, non-traditional jujitsu kind of like flow? Because you mentioned like the Carlos Gracie or a Carlson Gracie background. Like fine line. We, we know all the stuff. We know how to go to other schools and be um, uh, etiquette, the etiquette, bow onto the mat, bow off. Um, we don't line up for the adults anymore too much because I typically work out with them anyways. So it's like I'm just a training partner, um, as, as I, I think as at least. But with the kids, I tr still keep the structure. We line up, we bow out and everything. Um we're pretty low key chill. We're pretty chill. You know, I still keep a lot of the virtues up in the school as far as you have to have integrity to be here. So some things like that can be strict. Oh, hard work is, is very important to me. Like I don't like people coming in and spar one hard round with a smaller person or a female and then take two rounds off. Like that's not acceptable at all. So we keep it like tough like that, but it's at the same time as family, very family environment. Breaking news, Manscaped now sells beard products. That's right. They are once again revolutionizing men's grooming with the brand new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. From a beard trim to a fresh shave, the technology behind the Beard Hedger Pro Kit allows you to shape your signature beard look. Now you can finally use Manscaped products to make sure your drapes match your carpet. By going to manscaped.com and using the code ETP20 for 20% off and free shipping. Again, that's ETP20 for 20% off and free shipping. It's time to tame your mane. No one likes a weird beard, so say goodbye to the stubble trouble with Manscaped's Pro Beard Kit. My wife hates when I have stubble. She actually, she's like, don't even kiss me. Trim that mustache. And Same. Th thanks, Same. Manscaped, for making it possible now. It all starts with the Beard Hedger. This thing is a juggernaut for fixing faces. First off, the cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 haircutting lengths, all with one guard, so no more messy drawers full of extras and add-ons. That's right. Face grooming doesn't need to be hard. Get 20 different beard lengths and just one guard. The Pro Beer Kit also comes with three free gifts. A beer brush, comb, and scissors to ensure your beard is ready to impress. So get 20% off in free shipping with the code ETP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code ETP20. Manscaped Beard Hedger, one stroke, one guard, 20 lengths. Thanks, Manscaped, for sponsoring this episode. How how has how has it changed from when you first started? Like you kind of mentioned it earlier, but was it was it straight like just every round was you're getting smashed? If you take a one round off, then you might as well just leave. Or like how is how is it not changed? allowed back then? It was absolutely really? not allowed. Like so, okay, so it's funny. I have two coach. I have a lot of great coaches under behind me, but. 
two of them are, are great to mention. Uh, Dustin Dennis, which he's American who went to Brazil and choked out Marcelo Garcia, like at the Brown belts and like just a crazy guy. Okay. And then I have Adriana Lucio. Both of these guys are fifth degree black belts, both trained with BTT and their original from Carlson Gracie, all these guys, but they're sun and moon different. Like Dustin is the sun and he will burn you and scold you. And he is like the craziest, great guy, craziest coach you'll ever have. If you train with Dustin, no one's coach will ever scare you. You'll never look at anybody's coach and be like, well, I'm kind of scared of that dude's coach. No, you're fine. Adriano is very traditional in a judo sense. And he's very like a white gi, like respectful. And we're here to train and flow. And he, he realized early on about the hard nosed and like being hurt. So he, he developed more of a training for like longevity. Super, both of them are so high level. It's crazy, but they're so different. Which one, which one do you prefer? <laughs> That's funny. For fighting Dustin Dennis for the art and longevity, Adrian Lucio. So I try to be in a fine line. I try to bring both of them around my students as in their ratio that I feel is best for them. Because, uh, I mean, again, Dustin prepares you. You talk about the mental thing. Absolute callous over your mental. Like, you have it all. You're fine. You're not going to be scared of some person that's across from you. Because the way. So. Because the way uh -huh. he trains. Yeah. His training sessions are harder than any fight I've ever been in my life. Oof. So, uh-huh. Yeah, I, I like training every once in a while having a you know a couple rounds harder rounds mm -hmm. of of sparring oh, sure. uh john john and i used to roll together what like 15 minute rounds when it was just me and him at an open mat in japan mm -hmm. it was like sunday we meet up we would watch like roy dean or some online instructional practice some technique and then we would just roll until we both were so tired we're like okay we should mm -hmm. probably go home now like and I, I feel there's a lot of value in doing that also but that's not for everyone and i think people see people spar you know their schoolmates spar hard or do certain things and in their mind they get this this idea of like i have to do that with them mm -hmm. now you know what i mean or so they'll be scared of not wanting to roll with them because they see how they are with everyone else how, how do you t help your students like overcome that kind of mindset if they do have that well so cool about jujitsu is it's you start to understand your especially students wise like i can understand their demeanor when they're rolling so like if there's a new girl there, a newer girl, I know exactly who I can put her with that's going to let her fight, going to let her get better, but not not like try to sit here and coach them and make them feel like, oh, you don't know what you're doing. But like they'll work on their defense for that girl so that girl can attack and, and, and you know move back and forth instead of like just maul or just let them do something because you don't want to just let someone do something either because that's not realistic. Oh, here's my arm. Mm -hmm. You can take anything you want. No one does that, so we don't. I don't like that either. But there's nice. There's always a time to do all that. Like the person who's just learning to drive the car again, slow, doesn't want to try to go with the best person in the room and hit the gas. Now my kid's trying to make a noise. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, so it's the right time. And then also with like the person, the age is huge. If I can go with. Um, Anybody at like older than me, I can. I don't have to rely on my athleticism as much. You know, I can. I can just focus on 
whatever that is for that day. And, you know, I'm trying to get better at my defense. Okay, let the, let the older guy get side control on me, and I work out. So speaking of, you know, different factors playing into how you roll with Son, how does that play into promotions for you? Like how does like John isn't going to have the same technique and abilities as I do because you know we're what like twelve years apart. Mm-hmm. Like how how do you look at that when it comes to promotions oh, yeah. and and whatnot? So I'm still I'm so still new to getting promotions. I've only promoted uh, one black belt. I've been a black belt for four years and um, four and a half years, and I had to I, I go down to Brazil to have my professor do the like. Um, co-promotion kind of deal but it's usually their language like i want to know like they they don't have to be super athletic they don't have to be i just want their language to be up to par you know so we can communicate on the map and typically you can know like a purple belt has a game plan purple belt has like a destination a blue belt still trying to figure out what they want you know kind of deal and white belts are lost (laughs) typically white belts are lost blue belts are looking for stuff and purple belts typically have a good a good a game they're looking for and brown belts are dominant matte dominance but they should also i feel like know how to coach that's something huge for me as a brown belt like if you're a brown belt with me you should probably know how to make a white belt a really good blue belt um and and it just goes from there like the hierarchy they made back back in when it did so what's the biggest mistakes you see newer practitioners making that are slowing them down from progressing? Just sparring every, just going to sparring days, not listening to professors like, like they don't have them. We, we didn't have them back then, but we still look, listened for sources. Now they have all the sources and they don't listen to them. That's a big problem. I notice they just want to, oh, I see this on Instagram, so I want to try this. And you think I get really good at no gi. It's like, man, you're terrible, though. In in the gi, you might want to, uh, you know, learn some of the basic stuff. Basics last throughout, throughout the storm. But they want to learn the hard-nosed stuff, they say. And I'm like, well, put the gi on because it can be pretty hard, actually. Or, you know, with the wrestling. It's like, okay, we'll learn some judo, too. And people want to do what they're good at and only do what they know, think they know, you know, so... There's a, so much in jiu-jitsu, you can't cover it all, I don't think, in a lifetime. Yeah, that's uh, the truth right there. I remember when we first started, we were YouTube and everything. Mm-hmm. Yep. At, at some point, we came to the realization that, you know, this is, there's just too much out there. Mm-hmm. We just need to stop and focus on what they're teaching us in class. And, <laughs> just, and yourself. And just stick with Because everybody's yeah. game is going to be different. It's not like a karate where you're learning the same, like, harmonic movements it's uh you, how athletic you are how athletic you aren't who has just said this nick gregoritas has a great book uh blueprint to black belt and i always mm-hmm. i tell all my students like yo you're a white belt you want to get this they're like oh i don't want to be a black uh, there's no way i can get a black belt now it's like trust me uh blueprint to black belt it just it talks about the three most important thing that's uh, like uh what it means it's like physical attributes is number one technical knowledge and conceptual thinking. So these are the orders you want to think of. And uh, attributes always number one. So it's like how athletic I am or how athletic I'm not is going to actually play into my game. Like not everybody can barambolo or invert or Preach. not everybody should wrestle because they didn't wrestle and they have bad knees. It's not, not a good idea to learn wrestling right now. But you could learn, like you said, it's not 
if it's not just the sport and it's the martial art, you could learn parts of wrestling that would help your self-defense that you never would do in a sport, like, because you're not playing a sport. The same thing with jujitsu. People think like as a martial art, so if someone attacks you, you're going to sit down. It's like, absolutely not. <laughs> like, right. no, the being on the ground is, is like the worst place you want to be. So we work from the worst place we could be and we get up. Uh, the whole game we play is sweep or submit from the bottom. Okay, sweep or submit. The person on top needs to pass. That's all jujitsu is. It's like from top, you need to pass. Control, submit them. Okay, and at the bottom, you need to be able to neutralize, control them, sweep and submit. That's it. So this thing can be real simplified, I think. And that's usually the game I have the new people play is us. Let's sweep or submit from full guard. So when it, when it comes to your students learning and like cross training and whatnot, how, how do you approach them with online resources and stuff like that? Do you kind of guide them in ways of finding good resources mm-hmm. that might help them oh, sure. or do you kind of, or do you just kind of say, Hey, maybe we should wait a little no, bit. No, I bring, Oh man. Cause I'm a student for life. I, I feel like I, I love being a white belt in my heart. I have black belts come to my school all the time just so I can train. <laughs> Which is like, <laughs> you guys pay attention because I'm learning this too. Like, I don't know what's going on. If y'all can, uh, again, it's so much. There's no way. And I'm a slow learner. There's so much. I can't, if there's 12 techniques on the table, I will get three. I know people like the brown belt I was talking about. If there's 12 techniques, he'll get 13. And it's like, I can't wow. think like that. So I, I need people like that around me that can, oh, wait, what was that move? Okay, thanks. I appreciate that. That's my move now. But like, uh, I try to bring as many black belts as I can around. If they don't know, they give me some more resources. It's a big deal about studying. Like, I didn't like to study necessarily for the school back in the day. But like, this is like so much to study all the time. As soon as I got my black belt, I realized I didn't know that much. And I mean, I got my first degree last year. And uh, I was like, man, I don't know what the heck is going on. Because it's, it's constantly evolving. These people are, are training smarter. Like the, I love this concept on training smarter, not harder. If you get more stuff done in a, in an easier session, you can come back later. I feel like that's better. No, I, uh, resources are huge. I remember Cronkleton told me after I got my blue belt, he said, now get on YouTube. Cause I wasn't always around a black belt, but he says, now you're a blue belt. You can actually understand some of this stuff. Oh, okay, cool. And I would have trouble with like knee shield or something. I have a whole playlist on how to smash knee shield. And, 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 you know, and you learn from little references like that is definitely helpful. So do you think a lot of what we were talking about earlier, maybe around privilege is a lot of people now that are in their jujitsu journey, just starting out, don't realize how good they have it with all these resources and structure that wasn't there. (laughs) Listen, the school that I'm in right now, it's, what is that word? Bougie or something? It's like, (laughs) like a storefront, like with a central heating. I don't care about AC, but when it's winter time and you have a heater in your school, this is amazing. I used to wear socks mm-hmm. on the mat with a hoodie under my gi. We were in a warehouse for 12, 13 years. If it was 20 degrees outside, it was 20 degrees inside. Ooh. It's terrible. But now it's, man, we, it, this is so nice. These people walk in like, oh, yeah, I'm a jujitsu, blah, blah, blah. Man, be quiet. Like there's Instagram is terrible for this. Like there's purple belts doing these instructionals on Instagram. And I'll remember these people like used to make fun of jujitsu. Oh, boxing is better than this. Like we do boxing. It's like we do real fighting. It's like, I'm going to choke you unconscious. Like you're crazy. (laughs) 
And now they're on Instagram like, oh, look at my jujitsu. Like, you're a poser. I don't like my school's Wineski and Martial Arts because I saw the bandwagon with jujitsu and I was like, man, I don't want the bandwagon. I like the martial arts for, for what it is. I don't like it because, it, oh, this is cool. When I was fighting, competing, they thought it was the stupidest thing ever. Like, what are you doing, Shane? You know, okay, well, I, I like this. And then next thing you know, it's like everybody's like, the ultimate fighter gets on the TV and it's like, you know what, Shane, that was pretty cool. How can I do that? Okay. Well, there is there's a lot of debate around uh, a lot of people thinking jiu-jitsu might be getting a little soft. And I, Travis kind of alluded to it earlier when karate was really tough mm -hmm. and then it got softer, softer, and then you got to the tournament style play. It just depends on where uh, you're at. You know, but now you see the opposite, right? You see karate coming back, man. They got some some really cool stuff. Combat karate yeah, that, looks so is yeah, so badass, yeah, right? Man. And you got combat jujitsu, which is you know a lot more uh, realistic mm -hmm. to me, you know, because a lot of that stuff when we were first learning, I was like, man, I don't know how I'm just gonna hold somebody in this garden. I get slapped in the face, mm -hmm. and then you got combat; they're getting slapped in the face, and you're like, all right, I'm getting out of this. Like, see, I, I I've always uh, when I teach my students, if you if you, they can hit you. You're not training right. Because um, mm. I did MMA first. So my jujitsu is more based on that, I feel like. Uh, I see. I have gone to a lot of seminars and, and I've been to other schools where they're like, all right, guys. So we grab the collar here, but their free hands are just moving around. It's like, man, that's mm -hmm. scary, bro. Because I've been elbowed in the face before by some pretty mean people. It's like, you, you cannot have that, too many of those go to your head. You know, so... So what what is your game? You mentioned that you're like uh, 145 pounds. What what's your game as a somewhat of a smaller person in jujitsu? Mm, what's funny is the more I focus on training my defense, is the more offense I get. So typically, it's like especially a bigger guy, I would like to knee shield from the bottom, work for the back like a wrestle up. Um, always sweep or submit. I mean, I like to attack. Um, I the defense is important, but. I feel like if I'm attacking the whole time, you have to just defend. So I try to, even if I'm tired and I just still try to give a look, you know, still try to give a look and threaten the person. And then it turns out they might be more tired than me. Sometimes not so much though. They, they'll, <laughs> they'll take my bluff. People say jujitsu is like chess. I say jujitsu is like chess, but with Texas Hold'em on the side. Because if you don't, <laughs> you could have a bluff and man, hopefully they take that bluff, but sometimes they don't. They're just, you know, they can, they could capitalize on that. But I mean, a bigger, big, strong guy that knows as much as you realistically, they're going to kick your butt, man. So that's Truth. a problem that people don't do like, Cool. But, uh, you're, you're a black belt and you should be able to take out everybody. It's like, man, if you get a purple belt, 220 pound, 19 year old, 20 year old, Oh man, that could be a long day. That could be a hard round. I, I think my dog just ate my homework. I'm gonna have to. I'll right. be right back. You know? oh. <laughs> yeah, it took it took me a couple years to come to that realization. Yeah. Where I was like, man, I must I really really suck. And then I'm like, well, we both know the same That's thing. That's just from Hollywood. And they though. got me by sixty pounds, and they're twenty years younger. Uh -huh. Hollywood like, did that you know. to a lot of people because just the mystics of martial arts. You know, people are like mystified by it. And, people that wear black belts you can't touch them it's like when i get a black belt i can't wait to know everything it's like man what that's not how it is actually realistically so <laughs> mm -hmm. i hear some people call their professors master and 
okay, they're buying into the Hollywood thing, you know? So. I don't even really like calling it a dojo because I feel it kind of is like, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I just call it an academy call it or a school, school or gym mm-hmm. or, yeah, you know what I mean? Some people are like, oh, I'm going to go to the dojo. I'm like, mm, yeah, I, I just I think it's funny because, you know, it's Japanese saying school. It is, it means school, but, and then professor just means teacher in Portuguese. But uh, yeah. I love it when coach, like when my students call me coach, I'm like, man, that's a title. I like this a lot. As a, you have to, it's a responsibility to this title, I feel. So I like the term coach. So, so speaking of coaching, how do you grow yourself besides the having black belts come and visiting and spar with them? When you're the head instructor, you know, it's still just as important for you to learn as your, your students. Mm-hmm. How, how do you continue to grow um, to, to help your students? I, well, I'm always with them training. I never, um, I never take days off. So I'm always training with them. Um, I go to all their competitions, even if, you know, obviously if I'm not competing, I'll still go to their competitions. I like to talk to them as far as like what their plans are, which is huge because then I, if they have a goal, then it kind of gives me a goal within that. So it's like, well, you want to, you want to get better at your, your leg lock game or your bag take game or anything like that. Anytime I get to do a personal with one of my students, I find something out and it it helps my game. So I just feel like constantly wanting to work with my students helps me evolve. Man, I've never learned. I've learned more in the last two years training jujitsu than I have in 17 years. So Mm. I I don't really see myself slowing down as far as learning. Yeah, and you kind of mentioned it too, right? People think you get a black belt and that means you know everything, Mm -hmm. but it just makes you realize from what I've heard. I mean, we're just blue belts, but from what I heard, the general consensus is it just makes you realize how much little you do. You know, now. before you got your blue belt, those moments that you're like, oh, that's why you do it. <laughs> Man, when you get yes. your black belt, it comes even a higher waves because now you actually, actually understand like, oh, well, this is, you know, there's pros and cons to everything. Sometimes the right move is not the right move. Sometimes the wrong move could, or the, what is this? Like, I always tell my students, any move works any move at the right time but Mm -hmm. the coolest move you see on instagram will never work at the wrong time you know what i mean it never (laughs) it will never work if the wrong time is there so timing is huge just learning something with timing can change your whole game it's like oh so when do i do this arm bar well it's not going to work if i drag his arm across because once i grab your arm you know i'm on your arm now Mm -hmm. if i can nonchalant put your hand on a mat shift to a like a an angle shift off to a like a small angle man you never see it coming and that's the setup and that's where they ask you it's like man how'd you do that it's like well, you weren't looking at this so it's a timing is always huge and you can constantly develop timing you see these older black belts and like they're so slick because they're timing it's not just because they're they've been you know they're strong black belts and been training forever no it's they have they read your body language so good that's how they know you're going to move this. They're going to put the hand on the mat. You might be doing something correct, and that's how they capitalize on you. Because not always, you, if you roll with someone who never makes mistakes, so what are you? What are you supposed to do against them? You know, you got to make them make mistakes or like trick them. I like uh, tricks. I like to do tricks. Uh, that's the bluff that I talk about too, though. Sometimes, sometimes they don't take the bluff. If they take the bluff, those are the best submissions ever, man. They'll go right into it. (laughs) 
Yeah, you like it like you, oh, you have a hol- uh, collar grip and they're in your like knee shield and you're like, oh no, you're passing my Oops, guard. So- Oops. Yeah. <laughs> All the time. All the time. I would let them think like I want to collar drag them. So they put their base down and then they start dropping their shoulder line. Man, loop choke all day. <laughs> and then if they defend the loop choke, you go back to the collar drag. So I, I yeah, I like your, your your students right now are going to be listening to this when it comes <laughs> out. They're like, not doing that anymore. I, Thanks, I, coach. I tell them all the time. It, and it messes me up sometimes, but then I, I learn stuff from it too. So this is great. I love it. Yeah, I think that's where the whole idea, you know, when we when we first start and or even like shoot season blue belt, um, we we have this this idea in our head that the uh, black belts or higher belts are you know they're steps ahead of us but like you just mentioned we we keep hearing it's not that they're steps ahead of us they just know what you know mm-hmm. and what you don't know mm-hmm. right so they know if i do this he doesn't know not to do this mm-hmm. right so you're able to kind of herd the kittens in the direction that you want them to go it's not necessarily your your steps ahead of them it's just you know that they they don't know it, it can be something as so simple as just weight distribution like you won't you won't do nothing wrong but your weight distribution's off on the right corner okay that's all i needed you don't have to put your hand on the mat like everybody says oh you have to put their hand on the mat no you don't you could do a bump sweep with their hands on you as long as the shift the the weight distribution is off man that's no problem like if you try to bump sweep somebody but they know you're going to bump sweep them you're not going to bump sweep them but as soon as you feel, okay, bump sweep, and it will work perfect. It will feel just amazing. Yeah, I love, I tell people all the time, like, just wait, just wait. Because there's going to be a moment when you feel that timing mm-hmm. or you're going to be sparring with someone. You're like, they made the mistake. Now I know what to yeah. do. You know what I mean? And then you hit it and it's like, a, it's a small victory. But that's when it's you know, your you're technique. You're like, holy crap. That's when you have a technique that is actually yours and you're building your mm-hmm. jiu-jitsu. So I teach my students my game and I'm like, hey, this is a simple game. It probably sucks, but you guys can use it to get this better and like build your game. So then I have purple belts that play a game that I have no, I I don't play deep half, for instance, and I would have the purple belt train it for me. So now I have a good defense to deep half, but I don't have to learn that crap because, you know, (laughs) but it works great for him. So I, I, I like to, I use the students to evolve all the time and it's just, it's a constant give and give back. So that's the word. So, so the the question that we like to kind of end the the conversation with is, if you could give one piece of advice to a brand new white belt, someone just starting off in the gentle art, what would it be? Mm, do some of your own research and don't just listen to some one person. And um, definitely train smarter, not harder. Don't put a lot of, uh, what is that, like um, pressure on yourself. Oh, I got to be this good. I got to be that good because it just comes over time. It's really it's really not a sprint at all. Like if you could train a little bit every day, like small amounts, you could get, everybody can get really good in something as long as you put the time and the actual effort into it. Yeah, definitely comparison is the opposite of joy or mm-hmm. what is it the the death of joy yeah, don't right compare like yourself. Constantly, yep. mm-hmm. if you're constantly comparing yourself to just your friend that started the same time mm-hmm. as you and say they get promoted and you don't you're you're just hurting yourself mm-hmm. you know what i mean oh, yes. like that's why it's don't become a hater be a student 
like the belt who care the belts are for the instructor to know who you are and to like the i understand people want the instant gratification but i mean it's just not like that with jujitsu i don't think feel like it's honestly like that anything worth anything so why do you want it in jujitsu right yeah i constantly tell people a belt isn't like a representation of your skill it's basically your coach showing like your progress mm -hmm. and and giving a thank you for your hard work. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, well, do you, do you stripe at all? Uh, sometimes. Yeah. I wasn't ever used to promotions when I was training. So it's still, I'm still, like I said, I'm still learning in on the promotion thing. And I understand a little more nowadays, but I still feel like I don't sell belts. There you go. So that's something important to me. Like no one ever buys a belt at my school. Um, you get your gi free with the sign up anyways. So it's like, I don't, I ever charge belts. I don't ever charge testing fees. You're getting tested every day. You're there with me. Jiu-jitsu is hard enough. So I don't have to be as crazy as some coaches are like always hard on them. Sometimes there's a point of it, but I don't always have to be hard on them because jujitsu itself is hard enough. So you show up Preach. every day and you have a rough life. I don't know what's going on outside of jujitsu. So right. I don't try to, you do the best you can really, but within means of it, like actually do the best you can when you're there, put your actual effort into it, you know? So that's huge. And you can tell, you can see with people's body language and know if they're there, or if they're not there. Yeah, absolutely. John, you got anything else? No, man, you put out some, I'm gonna have to go re-listen to this one again. Because oh, some, you put something out some good... I can add real quick. I thought about, Oh yeah, yeah. man, not everyone that wears a black belt is a good person. That's something so big that has been on. That's actually, I think, the reason I contacted you guys, because I see black belts there. They, I mean, they're the blue girls get a blue belt in jujitsu, and next thing you know, black belt males are just in their DMs left and right. Like I have mm. female students that get harassed almost. It's like, and just craziness. Like you hear, you hear stuff at certain schools that I just could not. No, I, I will kick people out of my school for just things like this like if you're a terrible person i can't i cannot deal with that and that's a lot of people think again the mystique of the martial arts oh they're a black belt that means they're they have honor and they're such good people and man no Wrong. i think age plays a lot into that because you know when i started i was almost 40 mm -hmm. right and i can respect a belt but i have to respect the yes. person before i'm going to respect absolutely the belt. and uh but i think for somebody that might be 18 or 19 or younger mm -hmm. and just getting into it I don't know if they'll understand that. Mm -hmm. They might see the belt and immediately say that's a good person. Yep. That's a big issue I see right now in jujitsu. And it's because it's getting so big. There's more black belts nowadays than it used to be. So it's just, it's getting wild. It's getting wild out there, I see. Yeah, did you see that? Uh, was it the, the, the black belt? No, brown belt that promoted the two brown belts to black craziest, belt. His two then, wives. Craziest thing ever. Then the two... <laughs> I just watched that the other day, and I was like, this is going to be really confusing. I don't even the, know the what's lineage. happening there. And I, and I watched it. I was like, man, this is crazy. <laughs> I was like, that is very bizarre. Yeah, got to keep it legit, right? Yes. So. 
Hey, but Shane, I just want to say thank you so much for for coming on the show today, man. This was a, a great conversation. I think people are going to gain a lot of stuff from what you have to say, and especially when it comes to like the privilege that we have now in jujitsu. That'll probably be the title of the <laughs> the episode: "Privilege of Modern Jujitsu." That people probably don't even realize. So I just want to say thank you so much for for coming on the show, man. It's, it was a great conversation. I appreciate you if guys. people want to follow you, where where can they where can they find you at? TallahasseeJujitsu.com is my website. <laughs> that's the first time we've had that happen he's trying to get my You're attention famous. i'm like okay hold on <laughs> but uh tallahasseejujitsu.com and wineski martial arts is the uh the name of the school very hard to spell this but um tallahassee jujitsu is very easy and that's how it's the easiest way to find all those social media links Perfect, man. Well, John, you got anything else? No, man. Thank you. I appreciate yeah, you Thank guys. you so much, Shane. Hey, no problem. Thank you guys so much for listening and watching at home. And uh, remember, no oil checks here. Oops. All right, guys. Thanks. Go on.